Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Confidently Wrong. I'm Wesley Nakamura. This is Mike Smith, Brian Redondo, and Savon Jones, aka Captain Vani. Bringing that energy. So hey. for everybody listening, this is the, the second time we just recorded this <laughs> intro. So if you yeah. haven't already, we had a false if start. it's not clear that we're committed to bringing you high quality podcasts <laughs> um, every other week, then um, that should make it clear. Um on today's show, um, we're going to talk about WandaVision and Harley Quinn, the animated series on HBO um, or HBO Max. So we start in the same place as always. The what you're loving this week. Uh, Savan, lead us off. Cool. Bet, bet, bet. So this is what I'm loving right now. It's a little specific, but it just truly brought me joy. I've had like older games that I've wanted to play, but I'm not about to sit and look up and like find an old game from 20 years ago or whatever and play it. I'm just, this is not what's happening for me. And I ended up stumbling across this YouTube channel that I guess people just take the entire, all the cutscenes and they like pretty much play through the story, but you can watch the whole game story. And so I found something like that for Grand Theft Auto 4, which was like one of my favorite games in high school. I think it has the best story of any GTA, period. The writing is top-notch. It's one of those things I appreciate more as an adult. It came out in 08, so I was a teenager, freshman in high school, basically. And I'm just, Is that Liberty City? Liberty yeah. City, it was fire. And that's what you play as, you know, the uh, I think the Serbian hitman immigrant, Nico. But the video is like four and a half hours long. But it, like, plays the game super efficiently. You get to appreciate the story. And it's like watching a dope movie. And I'm just having a good time, just kind of putting it on, watching it chunks at a time, kind of getting to relive an old game that I don't have the time or patience to like sit and actually play through. So is there scaffolding, though? That's the important question. <laughs> wow, good callback, Wes. Um, <laughs> a question for you is, because I think with all the cyberpunk you know, nonsense that a lot of people have been talking about, like good open worlds. Wah, wah. And I think... And, I, and I'm not a, as much of a GTA aficionado as you are. I'm not a GTA aficionado at all. Um, do you feel like f 5, there was anything that was better in 4? Like, was there anything that was a step down? Because I think sometimes when people were talking about, like, perfect open worlds, they brought up 4 and not necessarily 5. Uh, 4 is a much more mature and serious story because it's about, like, the American dream and moving on and revenge and hate. And there's, like, parodies, but it's a very serious, like... It's a, the game is a very serious game. It's very dark, and it's humor, but it's all very, like... Yeah, it's a very serious adult story. GTA V is a more fun game to play, and there's more things to do. But mm -hmm. the story isn't as, like, gritty and impactful. And there's still some good story moments in five, but 4 will legit have you invested in characters and really be sad when someone dies, and there's a lot of, like, friendships that develop. 5 doesn't really have that even though 5 is an objectively more fun game to play. Like, I'll still play 5 okay. over 4 because it's just more fun. But yeah, it's also, like, more updated. Yeah, I was just I was just curious because it was, like, I remember that game just being, like, the shit. And like you said, we were in freshman. You know, I think these two guys were already married and, like, grown up as adults. <laughs> but um, I remember, we were, like... We already had I, our 401ks and... Yeah. Uh, I already died and reincarnated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Brian's actually, like... 250 years old i just remember i remember vividly for that game like sitting in class freshman year and just being so excited to go home and play it and like the whole world was like shook because the one before that was what that was the first like next gen quote unquote, one, I guess. 
Andreas. Yeah, San Andreas was still PS uh, PS2. Yeah. Anyway. Oh my. Oh my. So yeah, really dope. I'm sure they have these for other games that I might do as well that I'm just not gonna look up and find copies of and play. They definitely do. I I've watched one of these YouTube videos for the first Last of Us after playing the sequel. And I wanted to be reminded of the story and watching some of these YouTube videos and just getting like straight story, straight to the good stuff is pretty surprisingly entertaining. I've seen people try to do that with like Metal Gear Solid games, except the YouTube videos are like 30 hours long or some shit. Yeah, Metal Gear is like part movie, part game to begin with. So it's mostly just movie. Yeah, it's the best movie I've ever played. That's, G- <laughs> that's, that's Metal Gear Solid 4 in a nutshell. <laughs> Brian, what are you loving this week? Um, so it's, it's actually something that I'm not loving at the moment, but Ooh, I did I'm love so at some excited. point. Oh, um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're nearing the one year mark of pandemic quarantine. And I feel like we've exhausted a lot of our TV viewing options, or at least I feel that way. And so I'm like done with all the prestige television that, I, you know, usually the only things that I watch, right? Like. The better call Saul's out there. And so now I'm just cycling through whatever crap else I can just put on every single day. Um, so right now I've just been watching Cobra Kai, which I enjoy, but I don't love. So I wanted to actually talk about something I watched a few weeks ago, uh, which is the Netflix show Lupin, uh, which uh, for those that don't know, it's it's this French kind of like heist heistish thief thriller um there's only five episodes at the moment uh half a season's worth uh but it's it's like a super cool character this guy uh models himself after a fictional master thief character uh who's very popular in in french literature apparently sort of like their answer to sherlock holmes except uh, a bad guy uh a master master thief a villain and so uh, this character in the French show who's like a Senegalese uh, son of an immigrant uh, French dude uh, models all his thievery after this this fictional character and and does a lot of really cool thief stuff so you know it's very like a, a little little bit of Ocean's Eleven uh, a little bit of Sherlock Holmes that kind of style it's in French so it, it's kind of like fun watching french people be french uh whatever that might mean to you and uh yeah it's 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 just a really really fun show and the main the main actor omar sai or uh, i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing his name right but he's he's like a really engaging uh protagonist like really solid actor and anchors the entire show uh, and I can't wait till they release the second half of the uh of the first season and it on a huge cliffhanger so uh definitely worth checking out all right is there a nameless chinese acrobat involved just kidding um, what that was a that's ocean's an ocean's reference. 11 reference oh my god Come on, Mike. remember you were like wesley you're being racist i was like i don't know his name nobody knows his name. he didn't have a name in the show basically Thanks. anyways mike what are you loving this week all right while you're scarfing down so, your banana or whatever yeah, no, no, it's actually a, it's kind of, i don't know scallion cake or something all right scallion cake okay okay right. all right one thing I've really been loving lately is um, 
on Instagram, there's like they they put in a feature called Reels. It's essentially just like attempting to be TikTok, and I am hooked to these damn things. Like it's so easy to just scroll. Like, and I'm too proud to download TikTok. Like, I only have my data be stolen and used by American companies, so I can never <laughs> actually download download TikTok. But people just put their TikToks on Instagram and in the, these reels. And like one of the trends in these things is like someone will post like a prompt video and then people will like reply to that. So like one of them is like, you know, what's your favorite interview? And then like people will like play that in the beginning of their video and then they'll answer it. One of them was, what is a time when you met a celebrity and didn't know it? And that made me think of my like literally my favorite story and i said this before we started i'm not just throwing in a story here because i want to tell it i genuinely love this story and it, the person it's about savan is actively dying right now and i haven't even told the story yet. oh god so here here is here is the story this is my version of it i've told it so many times it might be not actually factual i'm pretty sure it is and i'm hitting the core points so a few years ago, Solange Knowles, Beyonce's, I think, younger sister, lived in New Orleans. Um, and she's an accomplished musician in her own right. She's a really dope person. She would have like a lot of parties at bars and things like that, a lot of kind of events. So one time, Savon went to one of these events. So he's there having a good time. He's got his drink on. He's probably got a bag of hot chips in his pocket. You know, like he's he's just really living his best life. Is that in some, the front pocket or zaps. the back? Oh, he, jacket like, pocket. Jacket pocket. And, and this is another story I'll tell you all another time that I just heard from our, our dear friend, friend of the show, Tyler. Um, oh, sixth listener. Um, so one time, Savon's at one of these salon parties and a... You know, all of a sudden, like, security guard guys start coming through, things like I'm saying, like, okay, y'all got to decide if you're staying or leaving. You're not going to be able to leave for a little bit. So Simone's like, I'm having a good time. I got my drink. I got my hot chips. I got my friends. Like, I'm vibing. Like, where else am I going to go? <laughs> Savon is is a jovial dude you know lots of people want to talk to Savon and Savon wants to talk to a lot of people especially when he's out and about you know he's just kind of out doing his own thing and he's agreeing like for folks that can't see him right now he's cheesing so hard like he's clearly <laughs> agreeing with everything I'm saying and he's trying to not laugh right now but anyway so Savon strikes up a conversation with with a, a young woman um and they're just talking, you know, and Savon just, you know, asking a lot of the questions like, oh, what do you do? She said, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a musician. And he's like, oh, that's great. Who do you sing for? You know, there's a, you'll meet tons of bands in New Orleans, like pretty much every, every other person's in a band. She said Columbia, um, which Savon <laughs> assumed was just some like the country. No, just like the band. Oh, you'll find out. So oh, the, the like label, it's, it's, like the band, yeah, like, yeah, like, like the Chicago, Columbia. Yeah, in your mind, you thought Columbia might just be the band. Yeah, some or band in New Orleans, Asia. probably some like generic no, soul funk label. band. Like it's got a couple Loyola students in it. You know, it's just kind of doing its thing. <laughs> um, conversation, you know, ran its course. Savon's about to go bounce around, keep mingling. He says, "Okay, well, good luck with your music." And she said, "Thank you." <laughs> Savon walked over to his friends, who were at this point in absolute shock. And and are like and he's essentially like well what's the deal and he's like how are you talking to her and he was like what they were like that was Beyonce and Savon's only reaction was oh she's shorter than I expected <laughs> so that's the story of the time Savon met the, one of the most iconic just people on the planet and and told her good luck with your music. <laughs> 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 um, do it Wes 
So Do it quick. All right, real quick. Um, a couple shows ago, about a month ago, Brian recommended the show Warrior, which is streaming on HBO Max right now. Uh, if you're following us on Instagram, I've been occasionally putting up stuff about it. Um, the, I, I watched it on Brian's recommendation. It's been, it was Hell fantastic. Yeah. I watched all you know, both yeah. seasons together. It's 10 episodes each. Um, holy cow. I did not expect to like it as much as I did. I think that's that's just the the big takeaway for me was was how interesting like the stories were, how visually like great the fights were. You could actually understand what was happening. Everybody had a different fighting style, which was cool. Um, the the plot wasn't necessarily it wasn't like a you know like oh it's just about fighting and the plot was bad or anything like that or it was too cheesy. It was actually like there were some heartfelt moments and and good story development and character development that that really happened there. Um, the thing that I, I wanted to just point out quickly for me was like, as, as someone who's Asian or Asian American, being able to watch the show and see some of the things that they were doing that aren't very common in television for Asian American actors was really cool. So, um, having characters who had a vast number of like priorities, personalities, character traits was really cool just to see that like diversity built in as a sort of a nod to like the idea that Asian Americans aren't a monolith um, was really cool. And then the things they did with language were like really dope. And like they didn't become the focal point of the show, which was cool. It was just sort of like, oh, if you caught it, you caught it. And if you didn't, you didn't. And it was OK. It didn't like it didn't affect your understanding of the show. But I think it added a layer of they understand certain aspects of of Asian American life. So one of the things they do in the first episode was they have some of the actors speaking um, some dialect of Chinese. It's probably Cantonese. And then they did a, a 360 camera shot around that character or a 180. And as they flipped it, everybody started speaking American English. Um, and then so what they're implying, right, is that they're speaking Chinese, but, like, in order for them to be more relatable characters, they end up speaking American English to show, like, how American actually this story is, right, and how American these characters are. Um, and I just thought, like, their use of language and the way that they changed it subtly throughout the show was really important to the telling of the story without, without it being overly heavy-handed in terms of, like, what point they were trying to make about it. And all the uh, the white characters, or a lot of the white characters, have heavy Irish accents. So they're the accented ones. Aha! Yeah. Yeah, so they do a lot of stuff like that. And the Asian actors are actually asked to speak like almost basically like three versions of language. So a lot of them will speak Cantonese at certain points. They will speak English as like Americans, uh, so like a, like a modern-day English. And then they will also speak in accented English when they're speaking with the white characters in English. Um, so it's like there's like three different ways. And so to be an actor that's able to pull all three of those things off is like it's probably not easy. I mean, I'd imagine um, as someone who who is awful at accents and, and language. Um, so just like the skill that they had to show to be able to do all three of those things well was also really cool. A few so things. It, no, no. Yeah. No. All right, well, so is it for, like a creative choice? Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. You go. We're killing it. Today. Is is it a <laughs> is it a creative choice or is it like intentional code switching or is it both? No, it's a creative choice. So when they're speaking in Chinese to each other, they actually just speak in regular American English. 
when they are speaking English to the white characters, they'll all speak with an accent as if it's like a real life conversation where a person who spoke Chinese as their first language is speaking accented English. And then the last version is they'll speak in Cantonese when they're speaking to each other and it's fr- and your viewpoint is from a white character's perspective. Oh, okay. Oh, that's sick. All right. Yeah. So they could make it intentionally vague if it's from the POV of a white character to convey that they don't know what the hell is going on. Exactly. But the private right. Cantonese is like purely just for the convenience of the audience. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. like, it's not Inside. just convenience yeah. of audience. It's to show like because they could have easily just done real Cantonese and then subtitled it right so you can understand what's happening but they're choosing to make it very clear that like this is an american story an american like they're saying like like through the show they're saying that these people are like they're they're fully american in like how they're acting right does that make sense yeah yeah Yeah. kind of emphasize what aspects of like the culture they're leaning towards almost right well yeah so like one of the characters is uh born in america but grew up in chinatown and technically is speaking Cantonese like the whole time, but his his dialogue is all in modern day American English. Uh, when as a viewer, when you see him talk with other Ooh, Chinese characters, that's tough. I have I have yeah. two thoughts on the question. Okay, the first thought is my favorite recurring theme on the show is Wes saying he'll keep something short and it turns into like a literal essay. So <laughs> don't say we're not consistent. Secondly. <laughs> This must be like like this and Harley Quinn are like the worst marketed shows I've I've outside of like you guys I've literally never heard of the show never heard of it seen it seen an Instagram reel about it there is I just I have no idea the show exists and it's it's maybe that's a product of me just missing it but I don't think it's a product of you missing it or being white I think you're right like I, we didn't hear about who said it, anything like about being white. <laughs> Well, I mean, you are plugged into all the Asian American channels, so uh, is it marketed through those channels? Like, do you? No, that's what I'm saying. Is it wasn't through those Uh, either? Like, it was. That's what I'm saying. It's not a product of you being white. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. The only reason why I started watching this show was because, as I said earlier, I'm just looking for crap to watch, (laughs) and it happened to be on HBO Max. And the description says, based on the writings of Bruce Lee. So I was like, huh. And that's why I watched it. Is um, my question? And it's already a canceled show. Oh, for real? Right? Like, oh, how do you not two leave seasons and it, done? Does it? So end? I, I'm, I'm hoping that like it's going to get more publicity now that it's on and HBO Max because originally it was on Cinemax, which is oh. kind of like I guess where shows go to die. Uh, and uh, <laughs> but hopefully now it'll be revived. Is it an American-made show? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's like the. Uh, the showrunner, but the showrunner is made Chinese. Another show? No, no. I think it's. I think he's actually a white guy. Yeah. Um, from he's the known States. for action movies or like shows, I guess. Tropper. Uh, All right. So Warrior will sponsor us, and then Comfy will sponsor us because we're just giving a, free ad ad space. Yo, Comfy, Comfy dot com. Hit it up, guys. Warriors. Um, we're gonna get like a cease and desist. Yeah, and Warriors. <laughs> the the show oh there's like a mini campaign to try and get a third season somewhere so there i mean it's not like anything like that's super organized but a lot of the actors i was kind of i was like interested like oh should i find them on instagram or whatever and a lot of them have posted like like you know spread the word let's get you know warrior season three something like that so last question a hope and then we can get out of here 
than like 15 minutes on Warrior. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, why do you think it was canceled? I think people Cinemax weren't watching it. Dis- no, I think Cinemax stopped producing original content. Oh. And since they were with Cinemax, they were just like, well, all of our original shows are now done. Um, so they just didn't have a home anymore. All right. Aww. All right. Well, now we can talk about WandaVision and why I was right about something and y'all were wrong. So let's do it. Let's transition to WandaVision. Okay, We've right. seen episodes four and five now, so there are spoilers so it's, coming. So it's friends. really taken it off. off, and there will be spoilers here. And this is a small thing, but I, I did want to bring it up because I was right, as I said. And <laughs> Come on, do it. Right about what? When she gets... Y'all said when she gets kicked out at the end of episode three, like they're treating her as a hostile, and mm-hmm. they're all pointing guns at her. Y'all were all they wrong were. about that shit. And I was putting guns at her. They they were treating her as a hostage. No, they weren't. They already knew who she was at that point. But well, we can get into the show. But like, I I just need to stand my ground here that uh, the individual guards holding those guns. Yeah, but it was so clear that like they were not like, oh, you're you're a bad person. We're gonna gonna hurt you. It wasn't clear. He's gonna make me go make a screenshot of the scene where they're pointing the guns at her. Do it. Do it. Just give him his cookie. We we can publicly beef on our Instagram, and that'll be. Cookie. All right. <laughs> anyway. All right, ahead. friends. Really? So I, I would would like to start off by patting all of you guys, all three of you, patting yourselves on the back or patting you guys on the back. Um, so many correct inferences coming out of um, episodes one, two, and three that were really confirmed by episodes four and, and a little bit in episode five. Um, I, I don't even we want to list guys. them all. It was just like... The idea that Wanda was more in control than we thought originally. Why don't you or someone give us a synopsis of, of, of where we're at? So, Turning Point Episode 4, we're no longer in the sitcom world. Now we're taking it on from the perspective of the Geraldine character who uh, wakes up in Episode 4 after she she comes back from the Great Blip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that scene was dope. And that scene was snap. so dope. And I think like that, that was really crazy because we've never seen that perspective no, before. No. Uh of the people coming back and how wild it was. A little bit in Spider Man. But they played it in with the humor. School. Yeah, but it yeah. was like yeah, yeah. one shot. They played it a different way. Yeah, it was not like this is like crazy happening. Right. So we I mean, and so that episode four just confirmed a lot of things that we talked about uh on this podcast, which is that Monica Rambo works for S.W.O.R.D., uh, which is an organization similar to S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, I believe with more of a uh, interstellar um, purview. Uh, And uh, (laughs) and so she's Jurisdiction, maybe. Jurisdiction, sure. Beat, um, if you will, for any of you in the law enforcement parlance. (laughs) Uh, So so she comes back after the blip. She's at S.W.O.R.D., um, but because she's been gone so long and they're not really sure what to do with her, she gets thrown onto uh, an FBI case that nobody else really wants to handle, uh, some some weird anomaly. So she goes out to Westview, New Jersey, uh, which Westview, of course, is the, the, the town that uh, WandaVision takes place in. Um, so Rambo shows up on the scene. And she's greeted by none other than FBI agent Wu, who we know from the Ant-Man series, uh, right. which is pretty great. And so What's that's the actor's basically name? Um, uh, Randall Park. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I like him. Uh, of fresh off the boat fame. And so that that's that's where we get introduced to the whole anomaly that Wanda has created around Westview, New Jersey. And that investigation leads to Monica getting sucked into the WandaVision world and then all sorts of government resources, SWORD and probably CIA and whatever. They all descend onto Westview and they're investigating the paranormal, not the paranormal activity, the abnormal activity. Uh, and then they also bring in the astrophysicist, uh, who I only recognize from uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist and Two Broke Girls. She is. She's actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's Natalie Portman's uh, buddy. She was the political the science movie, intern right? from the Thor series. Who I can, now and become... I cannot stand her. Oh, you oh, hate her. She's my great. God. What don't you like about she's her? She's just so irritating. It's such a cliche oh, I enjoy her. character. It's played in such a cliche way. Like, it's just inferior. I mean, she's just playing herself. Right? You're a cliche, bro. Yeah, yeah, which is. Maybe I am a cliche, and that's fine. So is she. But he he doesn't have to be in movies. No, I, think I is don't. What Mike I is don't. Saying. And I'm not as rich or successful as Kat Dennings are. Is but the character is just it's just so annoying. It's just like nerdy kind of cute girl <laughs> with bright red lipstick who's like a smart scientist, but nobody takes her seriously. Like, come on, bro. Like, that's really where we're at right now with this. Like, ugh. What a hater. <laughs> the hate. I kind of like her. I liked it. I like the sarcasm. Me too. Yeah. Everybody no, else nobody's is all gonna serious. give me a coffee. Oh, and then <laughs> Randall Park gets her a coffee, and you're just like, <laughs> maybe she reminds you of someone. It could be. It could be myself. <laughs> my, my, oh. my self-loathing has been known to rear its head in such a fashion. <laughs> Could you just like put on some red lipstick for a second? So Jesus, how? I hate so how we're now halfway that. through. <laughs> Episodes four and five are done in the in the bag. We've seen them. Um, as a as a fan, as a comics enthusiast, Savan, how are you feeling about this show? What have, what have you liked about it? Was there anything that stuck out to you? Uh, yeah, one, I'm gonna not pat myself on the back on the stuff only because I feel like I read the comics. That's inside of knowledge. Uh, hey, you did the homework, you know. Like, yeah, but you know, exa- I it's, it's unfair. I got some unfair pre-info, but I think what I'm loving is Brian. You said it before, man. This show is bold. Mm-hmm. This like the boldness is really paying off, and I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one thing I'm really appreciating is they do a really good job of Marvel more so than you know. I think Disney has with Star Wars, but. They do a good job of bringing in characters from other bits of Marvel and referencing it to where if you've seen everything, you'll appreciate it. But if you didn't, you're given enough exposition to still know what's happening. So, like, even if you hadn't known a lot about, like, they gave a super brief blurb of Wanda. So even if you don't know a lot about her past, you get the gist of it if you haven't seen all the Avengers movies and whatnot. But we still get to appreciate, you know, Agent, Special Agent Wu, just being hilarious continuing from ant-man i think that attention is something that you know as a long-time viewer i appreciate that but i think for a new time viewer they don't really miss out yeah and those characters are still like fun and interesting even if you don't recognize them. yeah what i'm also appreciating briefly is uh they're just doing a good job of tying this into still the larger marvel world they're doing a good job of showing that like these are different programs and shows but this is still one shared world vision is a a relatively household name people know who he is people know about you know the avengers and thanos and them really threw down 
like the conversation between those two, between Darcy and Special Agent Wu, that basically was them arguing over the ending to Infinity of Endgame is hilarious. Yeah. But it makes sense. And yeah, they do a good job. Yeah, it's, the, the different tones throughout the show do a good job of giving me a, a wide mix of feelings, and I appreciate that. So I think a few things there. Uh, with, like, the bringing in the other stuff, I think that was one of the things people were most worried about with the Disney Plus shows as a whole, is that can these shows really feel like like a part of that Marvel universe? And, like, the, one of the hugest things that's made it successful is that the movies are able to be themselves, but also, like, integrate into the larger universe in a really great, great way. And I think you can tell five episodes in, like, this show feels like it's a part of the Marvel universe. And it's even now taken steps in ways that movies haven't. So, like, we talked about, like, showing the people coming back from the blip. Like, that's so huge in the context of the movies. And they did that in a really awesome way. So that's, like, the... For me, that's the the content part of it. But it's also, like, the budget is clearly there. Like, I think with the Netflix shows, like, it, they look like the Netflix shows, right? Like, they there's a distinct look different than the movies and, like, the way the combat's done and stuff like that. You can tell it's a different budget, a different studio. This straight up, like, even the way it's shot and the cameras and things like that, it it's, looks beautiful. Like, it's clearly the, the budget. Yeah, it's not agency. No, it's 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 clearly, like, just it's aligned with it. So that's been... It dope. looks like a movie. It looks, it does look like a movie. Wanda's effects look the same in the show as they do in the movie. It's consistent. But it's actually now, it's, it's, and it works out for them that Black Widow didn't come out because this is now starting the next, like, th- we've gone the longest we've gone without a Marvel movie since Iron Man 1. So it's cool that now they get this fresh start and this is taking such a huge step forward. So it's good that Black Widow didn't come out in a way because now this is the start of phase four. And, the hugest thing we need to talk about is is now that we've kind of talked about generalities and we'll assume everyone listening to the show has seen it, knows kind of what it's about, um, is that at the end of the episode, she brings back her brother, except it isn't her brother from our, the movies we're familiar with, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's the guy from the Fox X-Men movies. So this is the first step we're getting towards a multiverse and this leads into the doctor strange movie that's called multiverse of madness so it's like so it's that quicksilver that's not wearing the under armor he wears like the goggles yeah yeah it's from the x-men movies and it's that famous for that one scene where he's so fast that he's moving around objects and the bullets he moves the bullets but that's pretty cool that like and that went straight over my head. And I'm really Me wondering too. how many I missed people... Because I've never seen those movies. I have no interest I, in those movies. Come on. Yeah, yeah do it, Brian. I know, man. Yeah, I mean... So y'all both picked up on that immediately. Yeah, I've seen those so movies. So what... Yeah, Brian yeah. first ha- and then Savon. What was your reaction to that? When I... So I knew... I almost knew that Pietro was coming back, right? At some point during that episode. I, You know, I just felt it. Uh, I think they were hinting. <laughs> yeah, at and they it. talked about her reanimating uh, people. They and... they start with sort of like the the close up on the back of his head. Okay, cool. And then when we finally got to see his face, I was like, "Oh snap! It's that kid from the X Men movies." Like this is crazy. Uh, and then I love the fact that I think Kat Denning says it. She's like, "Oh my recast god, him. he's been recast." Yeah. Which is like such a funny meta thing to say. Well, did you know it? Did you recognize it wasn't her brother from Age of Ultron? 
that X-Men scene with uh, Quicksilver is like pretty memorable. Right. right. Like I remember that that was like the scene that killed the movie and then they had to do it again. And so so I knew it was him immediately. And then which got me thinking right away, like, holy shit. Like they, they brought in Fox Fox's X-Men universe into the MCU. Are we finally going to see these two things come together? Are we are we finally going to see mutants in the MCU? Like, is Magneto gonna gonna come out as the father of Wanda and Pietro? Like, is is that what's going to happen? Uh, is that wait? I, I is, that, is that canon in the comics? Yeah. Oh, Magneto. for real? I did not know that. Yeah. So I'll explain after Brian. All right. Yeah. No. No. Go ahead. So basically, Mike. And kind of building off that, I recognize him because I've seen the I like I'm, I actually like a lot of the Fox X Men movies. I'm an X Men fan, so I watch them even if some of them aren't great. Yeah, there's it's a mixed bag, but I there's enough to where there's a lot of worth seeing. But yeah, he stole the show with that scene, so they did hint at bringing him back because the kids asked, you know, Mom, do you have a brother? And he's like, Yes, I miss him. Sometimes it makes me sad. I'm like, Okay, mm-hmm. they don't have to keep bringing up the brother if they don't plan on doing something with that. So. When they brought him back, I was like, okay, this is surprising. When I saw the new actor, that blew my mind because we talked about this when we before WandaVision came out, that one of Wanda's key things in the comics is that she's like reality warping levels of powerful. And it felt like the MCU intentionally toned down on that, which I'm okay with because that's just that can lend itself to bad writing a character who's so obnoxiously OP. And I didn't think it translate well. The Superman problem. Yeah, it's just like, okay, she yeah. can literally warp reality. Dude, come on. This makes everything and this makes everything trivial, right? So that's what that's what I recognize. That's my thought. I'm like, oh crap. The fact that like the, the reanimating vision thing is one thing. But because, you know, okay, she's controlling a corpse, but her bringing back someone who she doesn't have access to their body is really her flexing some real power. But in the sh- in the episode, it, she didn't know who it was. She didn't consciously bring him in because they made a point to for her to say, "I don't know who's at the door." Maybe, yeah, and, right. and that would that's make true. sense because that's like a different iteration of the brother. But it still, I think, is hinting at some ridiculousness with her powers. And like, obviously, you said it, Mike, when we texted once. You know, multiverse implied. I'm like, all right, cool. Even if we know those things exist, this could still be tied to Wanda's absurd power, which the show is making it clear hey she could have soloed thanos like they're they're going yeah. out of their way to establish that wanda is like has set a precedent of power that we haven't seen before so a few follow-up questions to that um one how how much agency and consciousness does wanda have over all this stuff and i, I think the show kind of hints at some things and two do we think this is a heel turn for wanda oh like she's gonna become a bad guy well, maybe not a bad guy, bad guy, but sort of like how the X-Men had to deal with Dark Phoenix. Uh, so go ahead, Simone. So in the comics, that is who Scarlet would like. That is kind of one of her main story arcs. Like in the comics, it's pretty established that Wanda is not a bad person, but the dangerous and the dangerous nature of her powers. And in the comics, a little degree of like trauma and mental illness makes her still very dangerous and volatile. So I think that's the direction they're taking. And, you know, she's not a bad person. You know, Geraldine's going out of her way to establish that she's not evil, but she is troubled and she is still dangerous. And there's a... Just basing this character on Mike Smith. I mean, think of like, (laughs) like, think, think Hulk, right? Think the Incredible Hulk. The Hulk might not be bad at his core, but when it's all said and done, bro, you're dangerous. You're fighting him. Like, you're dangerous and you're a threat to people. And we have to, like, reconcile that. 
So a side note before we move on, like with the the whole Fox thing, because I was reading this great. I think it was on Consequences Sound. If anybody wants to check it out, they have a great essay. Um, I can't believe I just said essay about a Marvel movie. But someone wrote a great little piece about about how this is. And one thing I didn't realize is that regarding like the Fox merger, Deadpool three is is confirmed to be in the MCU. So now that's like at least two things that we're now starting to see the the crossover. Um, and Spider Man, and Venom the as next well. Spider Man is supposed to have some tie-ins to the Venom. Yeah, and, Tom it Hardy, like, right? and it looks like they are going to bring in the other Spider Man. A few questions. Like first thing that to answer Brian's question, like like with the agency piece, I'm not sure if this is what you were asking, but like it seems pretty unclear. Like if like she's just like lost it, or if like there's like does she kind of have free will right now, and she's just like made that turn? And I think that's cool. Like they they purposely showed her busting into the sword. To just seem like, oh, that's a really like meditated, me- premeditated, like thing she did. Yeah, um, but didn't know who was at the door at the end. Yeah, of the so it's kind of like so. she just like kind of losing control over all this. So I just, Which, just, but I mean, like where we're at, like this is such a huge thing. What percent of people do you think really understood the gravity of of that thirty second scene? Nerds, well, I probably with, uh, not a lot. No, I watch with my family and they are definitely not in touch with what happens in the comics and the greater like Marvel cinematic world and stuff. Um, So they they didn't pick up on it, but they still thought the show is pretty good. And that's the same thing as Mandalorian, right? It's like in Savan was saying this earlier is that you can if you're a huge fan, there's something for you to get it out of there. And if you're not a huge fan, you can still enjoy it. Why are you shaking your head? Because the people who were the outsiders don't feel that way, referring to Wesley and Brian. What do you mean? Right. Yeah, in, I think I'm a in regards to the Mandalorian. No, I'm saying, but in terms of, no, but I'm saying in regards to like. I'm not saying the show is like the Mandalorian. I'm just saying like, like I'm, my mind's blown now because I understand the context of that. But even before that, I thought the episode was dope. I guess I think WandaVision is doing it better than Mandalorian is why I made that face. Mandalorian, you could say Agreed. it was a legit problem. Uh, WandaVision had multiple moments of like brief but not shoehorned exposition if you didn't know what happened. If you didn't know about Sokovia, they made it very quickly and clear what Sokovia was. They made it clear that Wanda okay. blew up the people with the but incident. But that's a key plot. Yeah, but that's also a, a key like plot point for that movie. Or I guess it's actually not. Well, what was it in episode I mean, two or three when Geraldine is there and Wanda's about to kick her out, the thing that happened was her mentioning her brother, Ultron. right? Saying right. her yeah. name, saying yeah. his name, I'm sorry. Yeah. Was like, oh, there was like a, a flip, a, a switch that flipped for Wanda and she like freaked out. And so, you know, there's something like historically going on there with her and Pietro, even if you didn't see Ultron, which like, or you don't remember Ultron, right? At least you know, like, oh, this is like a sore spot for her. So you might not know, like, oh, there's a 20th century Fox whole like thing going on here, but you do know, like, this character is like meaningful to her. Yeah. And you still have more episodes to figure out, like, for him to, play a role so you're like oh okay like let's see where this guy goes now that she's like talked about him a couple times with like a sense of loss and grief i am so curious where this the show is gonna go like it's just they've really killed it again it's it's the mouse does not miss fellas i mean it, it's just crazy like, kevin feige man can i put on my tenfold hat super quick before we move on yeah <laughs> do it we'll go to harley <laughs> yeah 
quick tinfoil hat. This is my theory. Things I picked up on that I'm curious about. Can we get like intro music for like se- like segment like Savant's tinfoil hat? All right, look here. Look at look look here, kids. I've done some research. <laughs> doing some homework. No, nah, but real talk. After Geraldine had the testing done, they made it clear that something funky came out about her test results. That- I took that as the machine was just screwed up. Nah, be I don't. Or that, or that, like, I don't think, all right, go ahead. I'm sorry. I know it's so, so tenfold. So I don't know what it means, but it might mean something, but also they're making it clear to point out that Wanda's producing radiation or something. And that they're supposed to be clearly they're unsure of what the effect is. Like when they sent that secret message in the, in the message, it said, you know, danger unknown or effect on residents unknown. They keep pointing out microwaves, energy, what is the effect of this radiation? I feel like they're going to go somewhere with that. They also established that Wanda clearly rewrites the nature of how things work. Like when she turned the vest into like the, the 70s clothes. We have Quicksilver in now from Fox. So just from a super, just like, you know, Mike, there's a reason why the MCU doesn't use the word mutant. That's a part of the Fox rights thing. Mm-hmm. Not and anymore, it, but yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at first, that's why it's why, you know, they retcon, you know, in the comics, Wanda and Pietro are they're literally Magneto's mutant kids. Mm-hmm. That's just it. There's no none of this Infinity Stone power stuff. Mm-hmm. So clearly now that we got Quicksilver in, like, I think they're opening the door to give us mutants. I, 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 Is she going to create the mutants or are they just going to come? And from the universe? irony of that. And when we talked about this mm. show, when it was just a teaser, like, which is kind of crazy we've been doing this so long. But you told us about the House of M storyline, and that's where she gets rid of mutants, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this yeah. would be the opposite. This would be a fun twist. Yeah. yeah. So it, exactly. So it ties to that theme of like she's clearly like Wanda plays a major role in the mutant stories, good or bad, in the comics, depending on how you look at it. It so it wouldn't be out of the question. And you know they're bringing in this version of Quicksilver, who is a mutant. They have a. They made it clear also when they talked about Wanda and Pietro's backstory. Magneto is not their parent in this in the MCU. It is a different version. Right. They're mindstone so, created. Yeah, they're mindstone created. So bringing in alternative timeline versions of them is another way to kind of put a foothold. Either way, I think we're getting mutants, bro. So what's exciting, and, and this can be the last thing, is that this is they've confirmed this directly leads into the Doctor Strange movie. So like I don't think we're gonna get resolution in this show, but it's this will definitely be the first time where it's a really great show that's almost like an event leading into a movie, you know, like kinda like Pokemon did way back when. Things like that. So I mean like that's pretty I don't understand that reference. You don't remember you, like you, they had like the movie came out and like at Burger King you can get like the gold Pokemon cards. Yeah, but that had nothing to do with the show, bro. That was just Pokemon in the first movie. It did have to do with the show. Anyway, point is right. here. Can I can I just give my one yeah. last yeah. hypothesis yeah. for what's yeah. gonna happen? My grand my grand theory, episode five was the eighties and took place in a family ties setting. Episode six will be the nineties in a full house setting and the Olsen twins will make an appearance. <laughs> Because this this show's got a thing about twins, so that's there you have it, folks. So like, you heard it here I, first. I, is that she makes an Olsen sense? twin? Have you seen? She is. She no, she's not no, a twin. She's a, she's a sister of the Olsen twin. Yeah, they Mary look Kate terrible, bro. I don't know if you've seen yes. them recently. Like, it would be jarring if they. Yeah, she's their younger sister. Did you they not know that show Savon? up as coked <laughs> out? It's such a shame olds. we don't have video in our show because like Savon's reaction there was just he was just genuinely shocked. Like, wait, you had no idea they were related? She looks Dude, I like thought Mary Kate and Ashley were three people until like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, she They're is. Oh, I, that would be the biggest twist. There's a third one. <laughs> but yeah, Elizabeth Olsen, like, I don't know how successful the other ones have been, but like, she's a, a main part of the Marvel Universe. So screw you, Full House. Interesting. All right. So Full House, are we going to see um, John Stamos make an appearance or Dave? I feel oh like that. Would They're going to plug some yogurt. <laughs> Dave some, some Hydra yogurt. <laughs> Cut it um, out. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're we're not getting into it. Harley Quinn. All right. Harley Quinn. We started talking about this last time a little bit on the show. So, you know, listeners, you should be a little bit familiar. Hopefully you had a chance to check out a few episodes. What a crazy, fantastic uh, animated effort here. Um, It's available on HBO Max. I don't know how we've never heard of it. Like you said, it it was not marketed. It's super adult rated. I mean, everybody is getting eaten alive by a shark or bash their brains in with a bat or an axe or a hatchet or whatever. And throwing acid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The language is uh, quite R rated. Um, No genitalia, though. No genitalia. No. They talk about it. They talk about it. (laughs) Um. They Only they do bleep genitalia. they do bleep out um, a a derogative term or a derogatory word aimed at women, um, but I don't I don't I just want to throw it out there. This show was amazing. I've seen both episodes. I think you guys are are somewhere in season one still for the most part. But what should our listeners like? Why should our listeners watch this show? So my buddy Trent got his wisdom teeth taken out, and he's 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 a pretty soft. So you know, he was he was out of condolences to, so to Trent. He, he was Trent, like, I hope you're eating lots of ice cream and feeling Trent better. Trent will man. never listen to this podcast. Love him to death. In my mind, he, he looks like the Michelin. No, guy. he's tall. He's 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 a good looking boy. He's a tall Baton Rouge corn fed boy. Um, <laughs> but he'll never listen to this. But anyway, so he got his wisdom teeth taken out and was like all messed up on his Viking and whatever. And he was like, oh, I'm trying to find. So I started watching like Justice League and turned it off. And I was like, boy, do I have a show for you. And I told him about this show, and it's the perfect show for when you're just totally zonked out. It is not, for me, like, it's just, it's like such a solid, like, 7.5 of a show. It's not redo, it's not, like, groundbreaking, but it's, like, it's so funny. It's, like, so aligned with a lot of other shows, like, Big Mouth and kind of, like, Archer and, like, that kind of animated. But if you really like DC, and, like, I'm not a big DC person, it's just, like, really clever and, like... It's it's almost nostalgic in the way they chose to like have these characters be based off of. So like obviously they're new kind of ideas for the characters, but like the first suit Harley wears is the old one from the Mark Hamill um, Joker and that kind of stuff. So Batman the animated series, like the it's it's almost feels like it's two completely different parts. It's like the DC part of the show, and then it's like the comedy writing part of the show. And I and I just think like the the jokes are so funny. It's like done so well and and the last thing i'll say about it is the voice actors it's unbelievable i don't know how they got all these maybe they spent all their budget on on cast rather than marketing because i'd never heard of the show but it has like (laughs) some of the funniest people like doing comedy it's wanda sykes jb smooth um jason alexander from seinfeld like i don't even know tisha campbell yeah, it's 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 unreal. John Carlo. Yeah, it, it, yes. <laughs> they have Alfred Molina. They have like Tevia from Fiddler on the Roof. Like that's a legit actor, and he's playing like Mister Freeze, who and who dies in like a stupid ass way. It's just, I don't, it's it's so well done. The production quality is so high, and nobody knows about right. the show. It's it's. I'm almost convinced it doesn't exist. 
Are you kidding me? They did Romeo and Juliet. What do you mean a dumbass way? That's like a classic. Like yeah, that was a good moment. Romeo and Juliet as they both die. Yeah, but you know you had to have a little bit of happy ending. <laughs> so cold, bastard. He doesn't teach English, folks. <laughs> Savon, what do you think? Uh, so I'm someone who's not a big DC fan in terms of their movies. I think DC has always been the top-notch bar when it comes to animated content. Batman, the animated series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Young Justice. Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. Then the animated movies. I think they have pretty much... Teen Titans? Yeah, which honestly was its own style, but even that, yeah. like They do a great job with their animated properties, and they do lots of styles and tones, and the writing is always top-notch. Thank you, Paul Dean. I didn't expect... so. And keep in mind, I wasn't interested in this show because, you know, I don't like how they do Harley Quinn in the movies. And this was just completely different, even though they borrowed the design. I love the show. They borrow some of the designs from the animated series to kind of draw people in. So you see, you know, like the old 90s version of Two-Face and Mm -hmm. all this. But they still take the fact that they blend the most well-known aspects of characters into these into these like hybrids. And the way it's done humor-wise is hysterical. Like, the 90s Bane with the Tom Hardy voice, but then they make him the whipping boy is it's just, like, hilarious so to watch. Good. Or, like, Aquaman being dramatic and still a joke, but also still, like, a badass who'll whip everybody. Like, the, the, the balance of comedy, I really didn't expect the writing to be as funny as it was. But what separates this cartoon for me is not that it shows violence and gore and blood all the time, but that almost every character, even Harley Quinn has a crazy intellectual depth that none of the other animated series have shown. Mm -hmm. Well, you can do that through humor in an easier way, I think, because you don't need to get people as like invested into these characters in a deep, meaningful, like brooding way. It's just like, it's funny. And, the short episodes and they're like really tight contained stories a lot of the time. So they're able to like build that character development for me. Like story isn't, I know like Savon, you really like it. And I think some of you other dudes really like the story. That's not really what like stands out to me. Like I enjoy like the character development over time, but it's, it's, it's not like for me, like a zoned in focus show, but like for me, it's just that the consistent jokes are so good. Almost in like an old school, like family guy kind of way where it's like it's not really connected to things but like they do like political jokes and like kind of like social commentary kind of things that have nothing to do with dc like the whole ton of social commentary yeah and it's so the whole thing so clever they said it's roger goodell's part yeah yeah and it's hilarious hilarious. but like even not like that like um like harley so all saints fans are now right on board yeah true well i think everyone in the nfl hates roger goodell (laughs) But it's like so for some reason like like Judaism is such a it's like such a Jewy show and like I I keep saying that and people are so aghast but like a Jewy comedy is such a thing and like everybody knows what that damn well means so it's like they there's like there's a whole bit about a bar mitzvah and then when Harley goes home and like her very Jewish parents. Like, she literally said, like, and I don't know if anybody got, but, like, my favorite thing was, like, and because you just had to spend all your time with that Fakakta clown. And I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Not a joke that lands with me, but. uh, No, no, nobody would get that. But it's just, like, such a thing that it's Mm -hmm. it's made so much sense at the time there. 
I love that it's it's really like such a palate cleanser to the rest yeah. of mm-hmm. DC's take on superheroes. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and, to everything. Like, I just feel like everything that comes out now is like a dark murder mystery or like some kind of drama. And it's been so nice to just have like a comedy that is like actually clever and is like an enjoyable thing to watch that is like a super huge deal. Yeah, it's a real fun ride. And it, uh, I love the, I just love the way that they twist all these characters that you're familiar with uh, into like some sort of farce. But you still care about them. Right. So, like, yeah, I mean, like Poison Ivy yeah. is, is like a social justice warrior, yeah. which is pretty hilarious. Uh, Clayface, Clayface is who so I good. love from Batman, the animated series. Like, yeah, just just like the worst ham of an actor ever. Uh, but he's so committed to the bit that you yeah. can't help but like love his exactly yeah. he's lovable yeah. yeah and they establish that he's super op when he's committed but the half the joke is that like yeah but he's a he's a he's an actor first and a criminal second i've found <laughs> yeah. they've also been able to pull off cliches in really entertaining ways like oh, like sure. when they go to college and clayface like becomes the sorority girl and then gets way too into it and is obsessed with the guy like that like seemed like such a cliche but it was so funny and then it's just like it's I feel like sometimes where shows miss like that is that like they, they just have to like pick up these like storylines and drop them immediately. And I guess that's probably inherent with like the shorter 20 minute episode kind of things. But and I'm, maybe I'm, I'm contradicting my earlier point, I guess having like an underlying story enables them to do that. Like the universe, the college thing is just like one nice little story. You have that whole clay face thing. And then almost every at the end of every episode, they're like, yeah, whatever. That was kind of dumb. Let's move on. <laughs> and it's and it's like you're cool with that because it's like there is that underlying story. So maybe that's what kind of brings it to the next level and stops it from being like family guy where it's just like nonsense every episode that's wrapped up at the end where it's like they can do like cutaway jokes and things like that but it's all kind of built on an actually like foundation that you're interested in and like brian was saying like you do care about the characters so i I guess they've kind of found a sweet spot where it's just like political jokes social jokes and then it's is also like a superhero or super villain story Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's there's still that underlying superhero plot line and i think for me that that kind of is what has kept me coming back for more well, like, like I, i'm more one, down to like keep watching episode after episode yeah. because of that well yeah i mean what you're saying though is in season one it's not necessarily like a story of like superhero like story right i mean her her arc uh harley's arc and and struggle through the first show and they establish it really early on is her self-acceptance versus needing external yeah. acceptance right and so all of those things that happen, all of those episodes of so going to college, going to the bar mitzvah, taking on the Legion of Doom, all of that is in service of Harley trying to figure out who she is as an individual rather than as Joker's um, love interest, right? And so for me, I think that's what made it cool, right? It's not that like, oh, it was all about this story of like her saving the world. It was actually her story about hey, saving herself, having building a family around her that actually she could trust, right? And so those are universal themes that they deal with in a subtle way. It's not like, oh, it's like, I mean, they obviously do it in a ham-fisted way as well, but I think, like you said, right, there's that balance of, like, there's comedy thrown in, there's all these things, but it's it it's still done in, like, a respectful, mature way that 
I think it really like balances itself so well that I, I don't know how they did it. I mean, it's just a marvel that they were able to do that without going too far in any one direction. And like you can enjoy all parts of it all at the same time. I think kind of off of that, she's never like just fighting the the villain of the episode. You know, it's never like, oh, I'm fighting the Joker because he's the Joker. And right. It's always like, oh, I'm fighting this character because he's really sexist. And now I'm trying to like, like overcome like the glass ceiling. And the Justice right. League are just like a vehicle as a part of that, you know? So it's like, I think that is also why they were able to build investment in the characters so quickly because it's it's human issues. It's not just like Batman fighting Lex, the, whoever the villain is. To Lex. take over the world. Yeah, or something like yeah. that. It's just like she's dealing with something and then like the world feels really organic and I guess lived in and what you would say, like the characters all have a space there. So it's just like, it's issues people I think can identify with. So I think that's also been a big part of it. Is that I have one follow-up question. Sorry, Mike. No, I have ahead. one follow-up question for the comic book readers in our group. Do you guys know if any of these like character changes or character like uh, twists, like you called them, are reflected in comics at all? So, or is this just something they totally did off on their own just to make this show as like a comedy? I don't, I don't get which, which part do you mean? So like having Clayface be this thespian actor who's, you know, crazy or having Psycho actually just be like a Napoleon complex guy who's a misogynist or having uh, Ivy actually not be a villain set on like revenge yeah. or takeover, but actually just be about like, hey, I want to make the world better and I may be doing it in this particular way. No, I think that's pretty consistent with a lot of their like actual comic book interpretations. Like the joke is that you know Ivy's a villain because she's an antagonist in the comics. But like the joke, I mean, even if you saw like those really crappy '90s Batman movies, her plan really is just like jokes aside. She really does. She says, "Oh, I identify as an eco terrorist." I'm like, "Yeah, it's hilarious." But truth be told, she really is just an eco—not just, but she really is an eco terrorist more than anything else. I think the show just kind of really emphasizes that because it's easy to not really play that up in the show where in any other sh content where you know hey she's the bad guy with plant powers but do like, they show do they show the villains because obviously the show focuses all on villains do they show the villains caring about other people in the way they do in this show so it's like it's a mixed bag some of it is like the way they pull the characters together is definitely unique to the show because some of these characters like dr psycho and king shark are a bit more niche and less known which is why they use them but okay i think yeah where's king shark from by the way uh, i, I called him shark man and mike was not happy about it i want to say king shark was a flash villain but again he's really he's really really niche Yikes. like he's very yeah i know He's very, very DC's niche. DC's got to work on their Rose Gallery. Yeah, and I think at some point they, like, rebooted him, and he's a more interesting character. But, like, but like Dr. Psycho being a Wonder Woman nemesis who's a misogynist, all that's true. Most of, And, like, Clayface being a bad actor, I think there's an element of that being... Some of that is from his uh, actual comic, like, story. So oh, okay. They, they definitely drew... Oh, and, like, the, the whole bit with... Wait. No, that might be a spoiler. Never mind. But... Okay. There's other stuff that happens throughout Harley Quinn that's definitely inspired from comic book storylines, like her breaking up with the Joker. Even now, right, they're clearly making Harley Quinn a character who isn't just the Joker sidekick, even with Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey. So it's a What I do love is that uh, Joker keeps waving like Harley Quinn's old costume at her and how she used to behave. Uh, as the Joker's sidekick when she was introduced in the animated series mm -hmm. and how like like coming 
at it with like a 2020 or 2021 perspective they're like damn like she was just like this like nothing of a sidekick just subservient woman and and always just squeaky squeaking about and stuff and really had no point um but now like this show is acknowledging like oh this can be a real person a real character and uh and we can sort of just like leave all of that behind in the 90s and laugh at it hmm. uh which and it's the same creator so really they're twist. they're criti- critiquing their own creation right, right. the yeah, way yeah. that they did that 15 20 years ago the character parodies are just so i just love how they parody the superheroes and how they keep yeah. them in character but hilarious yeah. like the show isn't about batman and that's a, and i'm glad that they don't give him too much emphasis but god they make the most of his screen time like yeah. they make it so just campy and they just play up everything you know about the character but he's still it, like it's like yeah this is batman same with joker same with the villains to me that just consistently like mike you kind of hinted at it it feels like a adventure brothers mm-hmm. archer mm-hmm. like the writing is that of an adult comedy but the set piece is a superhero world but the good part i think is that most of this really good writing could probably work even if it wasn't set in like the dc world but damn oh, do they yeah, ad- but damn do they adapt the dc mm-hmm. world to make the jokes just mm. amplify to a new level like i told you like watching like watching the Bane Penguin Two Face interactions of just the cheesy Batman <laughs> Rogues Gallery is just hilarious because the leather chair bit. Yeah, yeah. It's just there's a bunch of that stuff. It's silly, but you know they make it work. So I'm glad I had a show to make me laugh. I thought of it as uh, Archer meets The Tick. Did you guys watch The Tick? I heard no. of it. Never watched. Is that the it. surgery one? Oh no, that's The Nick. No, The well, Tick was oh, that tick guy in like a blue another superhero. 90s superhero cartoon. Yeah, yeah big blue superhero and. And that they're also they're also doing parodies of all these DC characters for the most part. So a little beyond my time. I heard of it, never watched it. Um, so Mike gave it a seven point five. I really think that's too low. Thanks. I'm like, I loved it. That's so a I don't, good I don't score. Give Mike's a tough critic. Mike that's isn't impressive. Wait, what? What's what are on the uh, ends of the scale for you? What's a ten and what's a zero? Nothing's a ten because nothing's perfect. That's my. Uh, I think I'm kind of like that too. Breaking Bad might be a ten. Wes's favorite show, Breaking Bad. Um, That's an easy answer. Yeah, Breaking Bad, Sopranos are up there. That kind of stuff. That's such an easy answer. Oh yeah, well, there's not a lot of things that are all the most popular shows of all time are the only tens. Yeah, because they're really good. So there's no diamonds in the rough in your mind, Mike. That are like there's no like ten. I mean, there are ten. I'm with Mike. Um, you got to work to earn that ten. The ten is is really hard. Um, a John Wilson, honestly, I think. Oh my god! I think wow. at least a nine. All right. I think, a, and then I don't think people are free. anyway. Seven point okay, five is a great score. That's no, a great score. Nine. <laughs> Who goes home and says, "Ma, I got a seven point five out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's no. easier to get a, a ten in on your like science quiz than it is in the show. All right, but then, <laughs> what, but then what do y'all give it? No, I'm closer. Like I'm closer eight. to ten, like nine. Like I can't like imagine enjoying. Well, I can't imagine enjoying a show like that any more than I did. Like it just felt so great. The writing was good. Like yeah, it wasn't perfect, but like I really can't imagine enjoying a show more than I enjoyed watching those episodes. So I was thoroughly entertained, and it's hard for me to watch an entire series and say, "Man, I was just top to bottom entertained." Yes. 
and it wasn't because it was entertaining just because like explosions it was entertaining because it was well written like you said the comedy was up there um just the choices they made i don't know i I was engaged yeah all right 7.75 I gave it an eight. So how do I get flack and he's only 0.5 above me and then not, not a peep? Because an eight and a, a seven peep. is two completely different ranges. I said first of all, it was seven point five. <laughs> That's the all right. I'll go up to down, seven and three quarters. No, stick with it's your try. Seven point five. Like, look, the ceiling is kind of low for that. The ceiling is. Oh, so you all right? So you're already just putting glass ceilings on the show ahead of time. Ooh, I feel you, pal. That's a good. Ooh, yeah. meta. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so where where did the show even come That's from? That's my like, like nobody does it exist. Like does it show no, even like real talk. no one nobody I have not knows seen about anything it. Written about They've done this. two seasons. Yeah. Like all these famous people are in it. Like it was it off a- the Suicide Squad. Squad. How it was off that hype. DC had a lot of stuff coming out. They had Suicide Squad. They had Harley Quinn. She was popping off. They had the Birds of Prey movie, so they were really pushing content. But did this come out like last year, or did this come out four years ago? Well, there's two seasons. Two seasons, the most recent season. So like two years ago at the longest. But even then, you know, it was still in production probably before then. So I'm assuming there's still a similar timeline. Plus they used the recent design from this new redesign with the baseball bat and the Yeah. Like, and that's the, from the, like the that's a new right. design. So I feel like that was all one push, but maybe because the movies were not good or not well received they that's one way of putting they it didn't give, nice of you. Yeah, but they didn't give the show the attention it deserved turns out the show had enough creative liberty to be something dope this is like when the record label shelves an album and then it comes out like decades later or whatever and you're like damn that's a good album I think they just I think they just said they just pushed a lot of Harley Quinn content I think the big stuff flopped so they de-emphasized this yeah I mean to be fair they're like rebooting some things and not rebooting others and I, I guess like in the chaos like you know with the Justice League and all that like I can see why this would fall between the cracks but like I feel uh, like it'd be so easy to make a trailer for this that like would get people into it you know like you just show her murdering somebody and like bleep stuff out and it's like oh I'm interested in that yeah but I saw trailers for this and for me you did where did you see where I don't know the internet life I like, knew the show existed <laughs> to some extent in your dreams no I knew the show ex- I didn't see a bunch of stuff I knew the show existed but also I had no interest in seeing it because if it was anything, I just saw the design of Harley from Suicide Squad, Birds of Quay, and I knew I didn't want to see that. So, like, okay, well, okay. if that's what I'm getting, I'm not about to watch this. I only watched because y'all said we should watch it. That's the first question you asked, right? That's the first yeah. question you asked. I, saw the, I, I had a negative brand association and didn't want to watch the show. I didn't watch okay. it until people told me it was good, and I watched it. Yeah, true for me, too. Hmm. If they if they had shown me that Clayface was in it and doing that kind of <laughs> shit, I definitely would have watched. Yeah. All right, well, let's wrap up our show there. Another classic, guys. Uh, it was probably our best show yet. I think I might say that for every show we do. <laughs> it's because we're on uh, an upward trajectory. Hey, lucky episode number 13. We couldn't keep ourselves on track at all. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, hit us up on our socials, at confidently underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, leave us some comments. Respond. Tell us what you thought about Harley Quinn. If you've seen it, if you haven't, go watch it. Uh, same with WandaVision. Uh, visit our sponsor, Comfy.com. Um, and, We're going to uh, get like you know. a season to like. <laughs> <laughs> We heard you're wearing our comfies without underwear. <laughs> hey, hey, chill out with that, V. All right, let's wrap it up there, guys. We'll come back in two weeks and, uh, you know, hopefully have some more WandaVision stuff. Maybe we'll talk about some more Mar- Marvel top five. Uh, but yeah, it's been a good one. Have a good one, y'all. Confidently wrong. Later. Bye.
Let's get it. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Confidently Wrong. I'm Wesley Nakamura. With me, as always, is Brian Redondo, Mike Smith, and Savan Jones, a.k.a. Captain Vani. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? Oh, you know. Living the dream. All right. What up, what up? It was a flat start to the show. Yeah, you want to you take it from the top there? Or good. Yeah. I got the energy. <laughs> what? You just held it all in. There was no energy. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah. 